You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story, and I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 27. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes, and uh, we've got your Eagles-Rams preview, although I got to tell you, folks, I don't know how much actual game X's and O's we're going to be breaking down on this one because there are a million things going on, almost none of them having anything to do with the game on Sunday. Of course, Carson Wentz and his continued... The drama around his injuries uh, continue and uh, actually uh, kicked up a notch. We, we turned it up to 11 here today, kids, uh, as we were uh, watching the news uh, filter down on Thursday. And joining me to talk about it, as he does every week, is the brains behind the operation at BleedingGreenNation.com. May he reign forever. BLG, Brandon Lee Gowton. Follow Brandon on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. BLG, how you doing, pal? John, I'm not doing well. No. The Eagles have broken me, I feel like. Oh, it's no. just this 2018 season. You know, it just it keeps getting more and more disappointing. I mean, it does. You knew they were just gonna, and we had talked about it last week. I don't even remember if it was on the air, but we had said like the Eagles are just gonna suck us back in. They're gonna go down <laughs> to Dallas. They're gonna lose in frustrating fashion, and they did. And since this is the first time that I am getting to voice some of my opinions on the Dallas game, because we, we haven't really done that yet. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I am still, and I will never be over the first play of the game. I mean, how could you? No. I mean, the first play of the game where Kamu Guche Hill clearly recovers the ball. He's on it. And somehow that's still being disputed, by the way. Like, I, I've heard some takes out there that are like, well, uh, you know, it's not the uh, the officiating's fault, not just talking about on the field, but the review too. It's like they called it by the rule. No, they didn't. No. Because the rule is that if there's a pile of, of one team's players, then that team gets the ball. Uh, so no excuses. I don't want to hear the excuses being made. But that, to me, that's not even an excuse for the Eagles. Like, how can I convince myself that if they recover that ball, that the game is the same? Like, it could be totally different. Yeah. I don't know. But in any case, getting back to the larger point here, <laughs> just super frustrating season. The games are frustrating and boring. The team is frustrating and boring. It just keeps getting worse. Like, you know, I, I thought – okay, they're bad here. They're probably going to miss the playoffs. They're still kind of alive in the wild card. But I was like, at least Carson Wentz is healthy for the most part. 
or you know like, like that was my priority for these last couple of games like let's just get everyone healthy through the off season and let's focus on 2019 but now we can't even do that nope. because Carson Wentz is like dying because he has a <sighs> he's a back injury so there's so much to talk about John let's get to it all right well let's catch everybody up on the news here and uh, it came out uh, like a like a shot out of a cannon shortly before noon Eastern time uh, Adam Schefter tweets out a recent CT scan on Carson Wentz's back revealed a fractured vertebrae that if allowed time to rest would fully heal without further expected issues. Sources tell ESPN there will be continued evaluation to determine if he continuing to play this year will make the injury worse. We found out, I believe, I saw Ron Jaworski was breaking news that uh, Wentz wouldn't play at all this year, so I don't know what the hell that's all about. I haven't seen that confirmed anywhere else, so if it has been, you can catch me up on that, BLG. Um, well, Ian Rappaport had said that he's probably not going to, or there's a chance he might not play the rest of the year right. um, beyond the Rams game. So it's been floating out there. It's not definitive yet, but it's kind of, you know, being discussed. Yeah. And it's good news that he doesn't need surgery to fix this, apparently, that this is yes. this is the kind of injury <laughs> that just requires rest. And it's not, he doesn't have a problem with the discs in his back or anything like that. This is, uh, this is an injury that should heal over time. Uh, but what's really even as interesting as the injury itself, BLG, is some of the conversation about what the Eagles knew and when they knew it and what they shared with Carson Wentz. Uh, Jason Mertidis of, uh, and I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name correct, but Jason. Yeah, you are. Okay, Jason Mertidis of 94WIP tweeted today that. Um, oh, 97.5, sorry. Oh, is he 97.5? Okay. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I live in Virginia, so I don't I don't get to hear sports talk radio in Philly all that much. My bad. Um, Mertidis of 97.5 says, some players are aware of the, I'm sorry, that um, uh, Wentz has a fracture in his back, but was not made aware of the results of the scan. Some players are aware of the situation, and I am told that this has caused a huge issue internally. Now, that is something, BLG, and we have seen that disputed in certain circles. I know Mike Garofolo mm-hmm. basically says there's zero evidence that's happened. You know, I don't know. We're going to get into the medical staff here in just a minute because there have been changes. There were changes made coming into this year. But this is a situation where you've got one person saying that the, uh, the, the medical staff was not giving Wentz all of the information that they should have been giving him. That's a that is a really serious claim to make, and you better have your your ducks lined up if you're going to say something like that. Yeah, that's that's pretty <laughs> that's pretty bad. I would say pretty bad if true. And you if know, with true, all due yeah. respect to Jason, uh, you know, I met Jason before. Um, like, I'm not trying to disrespect him, but he's not a regular Eagles news breaker. You know, mm-hmm. so just by by default, no matter who you are, you, know, you kind of have to take that more with a grain of salt. Uh, now, I'm sure Jason does hear stuff. Pretty sure he is, you know, more involved, you know, with hockey news. So you know, he's he's around the Philly scene for sure. I'm not trying to say he doesn't know anything, right. but uh, from based on things we have heard, you know, I, I had seen uh, former NFL team doctor David Chow here, kind of. Who, you know, he has experience with this process, just mm-hmm. talking about how um, he finds it unlikely that, uh, you know, that would be the case with Wentz just because he doesn't think a medical staff person would jeopardize their career over this. Right. Not to mention, like, the, you know, illegal, unethical practices and all of that that go along with it. And and just the fact that there's, like, a lot of people involved here. It's not just the team. Just talk about how, like, it's independently re- reviewed by, like, a radiologist who has never met the player and wouldn't be beholden to the team. Yeah. 
you know, there's different factors here. I don't think we can just definitively say that report is true, but it's it's certainly interesting. And just this whole Carson Wentz situation, first of all, there's a lot of see, there's a, there's a lot of unpacking to do with there all is. this. There's a lot of different angles. So there's Carson Wentz, the player, which I guess we should probably focus on first and foremost, just because he's the franchise man. Yeah, <laughs> he yeah. is. He is the guy. He is very important to this team's success. If Carson Wentz is damaged goods, which I don't, we don't know that, and I think it's too early to say that for sure. But if that's the case, I mean. The Eagles are screwed. <laughs> like, that's the yeah, reality. Yeah. There's no really sugarcoating that. I mean, hopefully that's not the case. But, you know, it is anytime there's any kind of back stuff, any kind of back stuff, it's it's concerning. Yeah. We said that all season or all off season with Jimmy Jernigan. And that's a big reason why. I mean, even still, look, he's still not playing. Like he came back for the Giants game and, you know, he, he hasn't been able to play since. He's still dealing with back issues. Now, Jimmy Jurgen had a herniated disc. And for all we know, Carson Wentz does not have that. And that's a big difference there. Very important to note, but uh, it's still concerning, just the the whole outlook of his career. And obviously, there's been a lot of talk about, oh, is Carson Wentz injury prone? And Michael Kist, I think, had kind of addressed this a little bit earlier this week on BGN Radio here. But, I mean, to me, I think that's a little bit premature still. Obviously, injuries are a concern. I'm not going to say they're not at all. He does get hurt. But, I mean, I just look at, you know, kind of case by case. You know, he has this broken wrist in college. Seems kind of like a fluke thing. Um, it's not like soft tissue. It's not like you're concerned about his wrists, you know, for the rest of his career. It's just not that kind of injury. He tears his ACL. Um, that's pretty significant, obviously. But I mean, we still don't know for sure, like when that happened, right? right? I mean, there was there was speculation that it could have been when he was running into the end zone before he even got hit. Right. So if that's the case, like that's pretty ridiculous to call that guy like reckless. I mean, anyone is running at a given point in any year. I mean, Deshaun Watson tore his ACL running in practice. Right. Like you know. Freak things can happen. The hairline rib fracture, it's a little bit silly that it, that gets brought up so much to me. I mean, he, he literally missed zero regular season games that year. He's playing tackle and, football for crying out loud. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and here, here's another thing to that. Like, we always talk about how players can get better, you know, in terms of like their accuracy or reading a defense, things like that. Like, why isn't it possible that he can get better at protecting himself, right? I mean, isn't that possible? Sure. You look at Matt Stafford and, and former NFL quarterback and a good analyst these days, Dan Orlovsky, had pointed out on Twitter that, you know, look at Matthew Stafford. Everyone thought he was injury prone earlier on in his career. And now he's played like, what, 120 straight games? Yeah. So I don't, I, I just hate this, like, this whole definitive alarmist thing going on that like Carson Wentz is injury prone and he's never going to be able to stay healthy ever. It's right. like, well, and that's a little premature <laughs> and, and I get it's a concern. I'm not trying to say it's not a concern. I'm just trying to say that like, it's too early to make these definitive judgments. And I just, you know, part of that is, I guess what you could call take culture. Mm -hmm. I mean, this isn't art of the take, but maybe uh, it's kind of paralleling here. We're just about how like everything is, yeah. you know, every, I just feel like takes are being rushed these days. It's yeah. like, we have to jump out and, you know, I mean, our, our good friend, Jack Fritz is even the one who says, if you're not first to a take, you're last. So <laughs> I get there's some pressure to deliver here, but I think, you know, that the quality of takes can suffer sometimes when that's the case and you're yeah. not giving enough perspective and rationality and kind of, uh, uh, the context to everything. So uh, all this is very long winded, but just to say that, you know, Carson Wentz is, is dealing with these issues. It's certainly concerning. And uh, 
we don't know all the information right now. That's the truth. Uh, you know, we've seen some reports here and there. We still haven't heard anything from the team. By the time you'll be listening to this, Doug Peterson may have given a press conference. I mean, he is going to give a press conference on Friday morning, and we'll see if he gives out any information on Friday. But um, I don't know, John. It's pretty concerning. How are you feeling about it? I'm concerned about it as well. I am taking a little bit of a, a wider view of this, and I note guys like Ben Roethlisberger and Aaron Rodgers have missed significant chunks of numerous seasons during the course of their career, and yet we don't consider them injury-prone. I think that there is a rush in this town. I, I think in Philadelphia, for, for so long, there has been a sense that Carson Wentz could do no wrong. Carson Wentz was the golden boy. Carson Wentz was uh, the, the, the one you didn't make fun of, the one you didn't criticize because he was a franchise quarterback. And, and those guys are like unicorns. They, they don't come around very often. And when you have one, you want to you treat it right. And, you know, the last franchise quarterback the Eagles had, Donovan McNabb, a lot of fans just didn't like him for, for large stretches of his career. And I, I don't know if maybe there's an overcorrection going on with Carson Wentz, but I think that narrative that nobody wants to criticize Carson Wentz has now kind of flipped. And now you find people going after Carson Wentz and finding finding things to criticize Wentz for because they don't want to be seen as being soft on Wentz. And mm-hmm. so I think part of part of the takes that we're seeing about about Carson have to do with that. They want to be, you know, some people want to be the ones that are holding Carson's feet to the fire. And hey, listen, Wentz should be criticized when he does poorly, when he makes bad decisions, when you know, when I think it's fair to to be worried about his about his long term health. Whenever you have mm-hmm. a quarterback who suffers a major knee injury, you never know if that guy's ever going to come back a hundred percent. But I think the I think there has been an overcorrection into the criticism of Carson Wentz and people failing to understand the fact that the guy came back to play way less than a year before, you know, before his injury, since his injury. So he, I don't think he was 100% when he came back, or at least if he was, if, if the injury was 100% healed, mentally speaking, he's not all the way back because he didn't have an off season to, to, to train. He was rehabbing all off season. He didn't have a training camp. He missed the first two games of the regular season, and then, boom, you're, you're thrown right into the mix of, of trying to go on another Super Bowl run. That's tough to do. And we saw earlier in the season, BLG, that he was on the medical, uh, that he was on the injury report with, with back issues. So this is something he has probably been playing through for a while. We don't know if it's a result of the back issues. You could You could speculate and say that compensating for uh, whether it's weakness in in one of his knees or just a a, a mental uh, block of wanting to 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 step into his throws, to whether that's caused some issues with his back. But I I, I saw um, Jeff McLean interviewed uh, uh, an orthopedic surgeon, or I don't know exactly who it was, but talking about these kinds of compression fractures are generally caused by some acute force, by some kind of hit, and who knows when that could have occurred. Or, or even if that's what it is. Like you said, there's so much going on right now with Wentz. For me, he's still the franchise quarterback. And, you know, I look at the I look at his numbers this year. I know you can't just look at at total numbers. You have to look at the context in which the numbers were arrived at and all of that stuff. But you're looking at a guy who in 11 games has thrown for over 3,000 yards, has 21 touchdowns and seven interceptions, has completed nearly 70% of his passes and has a QBR of 102.2. There's other stats I know that 
show he isn't having as good a season as last year. His air yards are down. His air yards per attempt are down. I, I get that there that he has started off slow, that he has not produced as many points as we would have liked to have seen him produce this year. But if he's been battling these these kinds of things all season long, that's I'll, that's a tough dude, man. And I'll take that as my franchise quarterback. And I'm looking forward to a full offseason of him getting ready for the season, not rehabbing. And coming into a season with a full training camp, working with his wide receivers, and starting fresh in 2019. I'm, I'm not understanding the, the the rush to want. It seems people want to call him injury prone. Like they're yes. they're looking for a reason to criticize him and call him injury prone. And I just don't get that, man. Well, what you're saying, John, is that the Browns are right, right? That's yeah, what you're exactly. Saying. No, yeah. um, it's a little inside joke. Yeah, I totally agree. That's the thing. Like the vibe I get from some of these Wentz takes is not like it just doesn't feel. Oh, I'm just you know I'm concerned. It's not like reasonable like that in a voice like that. It's like no, this is like the end of the world. Like he might never play again. No one's saying that, but I'm just saying that's like the vibe of yeah. what's being. It's yeah. very dramatic, and it's mm-hmm. just like maybe just calm down a little bit, man. That's what's getting to me this week. The takes are getting to me and just it's it's too much. It's just too much. I think there's a way to be concerned with also out just like, you know, freaking out entirely and kind of treating this like this is like the first time this has ever happened in NFL history. Like it's just it's it's a little ridiculous when it gets to that. But I mean, I get it. It's fair in the sense that again, this is the franchise quarterback. Like the magnitude of this matters a lot. Yeah in sports so i get it i I get where it comes from and it there's you know there's plenty of reason to be concerned again we we don't know all the facts yet. that's what's hard to do here like we're just we're, we're playing a lot of guessing game like you said we don't even know what caused this he was on the injury report as early as week six but he wasn't listed with a back injury at that time it was just due to rest like they gave him mm. i think they gave him like off or the, he was limited in practice it was a short week heading into the giants game so you, you almost think nothing of it because at this point he was only a couple of weeks back from the acl from, from when he first started playing and you're like okay let's just give him some extra rest yeah no big deal um but then the next two weeks in week seven and week eight he was limited in practice on that wednesday uh heading into the game week each week with that back issue and at the time it was very played down like i remember i think zach berman had tweeted out like this isn't an issue at all in terms of his availability he's going to be fine so it was very you know it was not like played up at all and and pretty much nothing was made out of it really at the time uh it's kind of been in my back the back of my mind this whole time because i'm like what if I, i just always have that i'm like what if this player isn't playing as well because there's some kind of injury issue. I mean, that's yeah. a natural thing to think, right? So been kind of thinking that and almost in a way, like you almost hope he does have some kind of issue in the, just in the sense of, True. you know, it explains why he hasn't looked right a hundred percent. Now, also you're hoping that issue goes away. Of course, as we mentioned already with, every, with all that being said about Wentz the player, I kind of want to shift to like, <laughs> The medical Why staff? did this take so long? Yeah, and <laughs> yeah. what is going on with this medical staff? And now, I I'm not a medical expert. I mean, neither are you, John. Very important thing. I watched ER for its entire run. ER. BLG, come on. You watched Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, maybe I don't know, but I didn't. But um, <laughs> I watched House. I don't know if that really gets me. It's anything. the same thing. You're you're good. Yeah, it's it's pretty much the same thing. Um, <laughs> but like I get that you know there's there's talk that. The, something like this might not show up immediately. Like they've been doing scans on him throughout the season. That's the report, and it didn't show up until recently. Uh, recently, I mean, I guess okay, that's Possible. fair. But the problem is, you don't get a lot of benefit of the doubt when there are a lot of 
other injury issues going on with this team that have been weird, uh, I guess is the best way to describe them. Like you have Jay Ajayi play a whole game through an ACL tear. Like how did you not realize that sooner and get him out of the game? Like he really shouldn't be playing with an ACL tear, I would imagine. You know, Carson Wentz didn't play through an ACL tear besides that one play where he threw the touchdown. Right. It's not like he came in and finished the game and you would think running back would be harder to play with. I don't know. You know, because you're, you're <laughs> right. actually running around and standing. Uh, so uh, there's that. There's the Mac Hollins thing where like he had off-season groin surgery and then he was practicing and he was fine and then all of a sudden he's not fine again and then he's not even doing anything and then he's on the IR before week one. Like, okay, that's kind of weird. Um, you have Derek Barnett playing a couple weeks after he already had a torn ro- rotator cuff. Uh, like, okay. And then he was shut down. Uh, you have Jalen Mills who, you know, at one point, I think I had it on November 26th, Doug Peterson had called Jalen Mills day-to-day. And then all of a sudden, on Monday Night Football, after the Eagles beat Washington, he's seen in a walking boot. And a couple of days later, his season is shut down. So it's just like, and that's just that's you don't just you don't walk around surface. in a walking boot normally. That's not a that's not a normal thing for you. It isn't for me, but <laughs> it's just so like where what's going on here? And then obviously you have Emmanuel Acho, the former Eagles linebacker, who has criticized the Eagles medical medical staff before. Uh, going back to, I remember when this was, it was on the, the night of the round two or day two, I should say, of the 2017 NFL, or 2000, yeah, 2017 NFL draft. It was when the Eagles drafted Sidney Jones and he had tweeted out like cons- basically some kind of concern about the medical staff. Like they're not going to have the patience or everything to get him right. And it was, mm-hmm. it was a weird tweet to me at the time. And I was one of the ones who kind of gave him a little bit of blowback on that, not because it wasn't even about like subjective and I was like, oh, you're bitter. That's not the point. I just I looked at adjusted games loss, which is the football outsiders metric for how healthy teams are. And the Eagles were like pretty good yeah. <laughs> when he was here. Like they had the fewest amount of injuries compared to the rest of the league. And that kind of made some sense, too, because the Eagles had brought in, you know, Chip Kelly and sports science and all that. So kind of didn't think much of it at the time. But then you had the Acho thing, and then you had Jordan Matthews when he – before free agency this year. So, you know, it was when he was technically a free agent. He had just, you know, finished out his time with the Bills where he said in an interview with Sirius XM that he had two – Two, quote unquote like two really bad diagnosis on his like leg or his knee and his ankle and so so then you have him ripping the medical staff mm-hmm. and all of a sudden the Eagles fire their medical staff after winning the Super Bowl which isn't that weird a little bit yeah. on its face it's Odd like timing. congrats everyone get the hell out of here <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's kind of weird and then I think something that people don't understand is that when they fire the medical staff it's not necessarily literally like every member on that staff a lot of these people, if you look at the announcement, which the Eagles posted on their own website back in August, a lot of them are holdovers. It says, like, this person's entering the ninth season with their team. This mm-hmm. person's entering the second season. So there's a lot of different people who are still here. And that's kind of... Well, and, and some of these guys work for the other teams in the in the city yeah. as well. <laughs> well, the Sixers. <laughs> great. Right. So encouraging. That's, <laughs> right. that's great to see. But yeah, but Acho's saying that too. Like, so a lot of people were like, oh, you're just, you know, ripping the old staff. They're not even there anymore. And he said, no, like, I, I know they're there. I see him on the sideline on game day when I'm watching the game. So... Uh, not good, I would say. And I think it was an interesting point of his, which kind of makes me wonder, like, okay, is, is saying fire th- the current staff really the answer? Because he's kind of talking about how it's almost like a philosophical issue that's the problem, where the team, the Eagles, are kind of 
it seems like they're kind of almost forcing players back too soon in a way, right? I mean, that's yeah. kind of what he was getting at there. And, in any given Sunday scenario kind of a thing. Right. And it's kind of like, well, it kind of doesn't matter who they hire at that point, right? If the philosophy is that way. And now look, I, I think almost every team would have that philosophy because again, the, the point Acho made was that teams have their own doctors. So those doctors, you know, work for the team. So naturally they're incentivized to do what's best for the team and not so much for the player. Um, they'll do what's best for the player in the scope of it lining up what's best for the team. At least, you know, that's that's what he was kind of suggesting. So mm-hmm. I kind of get that. But with that being said, all these all these NFL teams aren't having the same problems the Eagles are. Like, yeah. How many other teams are having former players rip the medical staff publicly? And, you know, how many other teams have the fourth most players in terms of cap space – uh, for some, fourth most amount of cap space and cash in both categories on injured reserve this year. So there's a lot of different issues here, and it kind of just it really makes you wonder. I don't know if there's really an answer here, and I think it's tough just because like I don't know what they're supposed to do differently. Like I I don't have the answers, but it just seems like they don't either. <laughs> yeah, no, it's tough for us as outsiders to know because we we can't read these medical ch- charts. You know, we can't we can't tell if. They're, they're, they're incompetent or if the hairline fracture really is hard to see or if, you know, Jay Ajayi's injury was difficult to diagnose more so than a normal ACL tear. I mean, we, we don't know these different things. And if this wasn't all of these different things happening at once, I think you could make a case and say, you know, this... Well, that was kind of weird, but you wouldn't think much more of it. But because you you read down an entire list of, of issues with, with Eagles injuries this year, it definitely makes you raise an eyebrow. Now, I will say there is a there is a big difference between hiding an injury from a player and just simply being incompetent at diagnosis. Right. I, I, I lean towards the second. I can't believe okay. that that these people would risk their medical licenses be, simply because, you know, they're working for other teams too. They they are employed by, some of these people are employed by the team, but they also have practices other places. And the, the other thing is, with Carson Wentz specifically, they, they held him out for the first two games this year. They held him out of full contact drills for a very long time uh, during the during training camp and, and during the, the, the preseason. They, they waited until week three to play him. Are they then going to hide a, a fracture in his back that they know that he has just simply to try and get back to the Super Bowl again this year? I, I can't. That is not logical. And I don't I don't you know, we're talking about physicians who I, I don't think every physician is has angels wings on or anything. I'm mm-hmm. sure there are doctors team doctors in sports who have rushed athletes back onto the field. I mean, I, I, I'm sure that has happened. But with, with your franchise quarterback, I can't imagine that Jeffrey Lurie would be okay with that. I can't imagine Doug Peterson would be okay with that. I, I just I don't think that there is any deception going on here. I will certainly say that based on what I've seen, I will leave open the possibility in my mind of incompetence. But I can't say that for sure. No, none of us can say that for sure. Really, the only people that can say that for sure are the players who are the ones that have been getting treated by these by these uh, doctors and and by the coaching staff. And and there nobody else is saying anything. Emmanuel Acho is the only guy saying anything right now. But it certainly is something to 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 be thinking about as we enter the off season and see whether or not. Any new changes are made? I mean, you're right. They just got a new head, a head trainer, and a new head physician, didn't mm-hmm. they? I mean, with that's uh, and a new uh, the the new new physician is is also now their internist as well. So it's um, 
yeah, it was odd timing when when the old when the old crew got released and these new guys came in. It's still this has been a very strange season injuries wise. And you know, BLG, we had been chalking it up to the fact that they played so deep into the season last year by going to the Super Bowl, but mm-hmm. some of the injuries this year have had nothing to do with that. So I don't know. So basically, Carson Wentz now. He we we know that he's got this vertebrae fracture. Do you see any scenario in which he plays again this year? I hope not. <laughs> Why? That's the <laughs> There's thing. There's no like, point, right? Even if even if he can do no further damage, but just like why? Like you know what what is the point? I mean, there's no the season is lost, people. Um, like even if let's say they make the wild card because it's possible, it's mm-hmm. not crazy. Well, the craziest part to me is like the Eagles winning games part, but like in in terms right. of like you know the Panthers losing a couple down the stretch and the Vikings losing a couple, I think it's very possible. Um, we'll have more information about this, by the way, before the even the Eagles even play on Sunday because they play on Sunday Night Football, and right. I think the Dolphins and the Vikings will be playing before. So the, if the Vikings win that game, I mean, the Eagles' wild card hopes are you know they're not over, but they they definitely will go down, and so will uh, even more if the Eagles actually lose to the Rams. But to me, I mean, the, like even if you make the playoffs as the sixth seed you play three road games before even making it to the Super Bowl. Like, what are we talking about here, people? Like, no, I just, yeah. I don't see it. I think, when has this team actually won a road game this year? The answer is when they played the Giants, who sucked especially more so earlier on in the season on a short week in a stadium that's not even that far away from Philadelphia. So, you know, there's already, there's Eagles fans there too. Right, um, right. So, like, <laughs> MetLife not being the hardest place to play, so that much different than a playoff atmosphere. So I just I don't see the point. Like, what is the what is the point of bringing him back? I think what the Eagles should do, honestly, if it we're up to me, and I know this is a very surprising take as someone who <laughs> doesn't particularly enjoy Nick Foles' brand of football in the aggr- in the whole, and obviously when he's playing well, like he did in the Super Bowl run, it's great. But there's also plenty of times not so great, like he did earlier this season when he was starting in week one and week two. Those numbers were not very good. He had, what, like a 70.8.9 passer rating? Not very good. So um, I would like to see Nate Studfeld, honestly, finish out the season. But, you know, I get the argument for Foles. You're still alive mathematically, so you have to play what you feel is your best option, and that would be Nick Foles. But, I mean, if it gets to a point where they are officially, like mathematically eliminated, to me, there's no reason to have Foles in there anymore. It should be Sudfeld. Now, there are big implications here, John, of of playing Nick Foles because he's likely going to be a free agent this offseason. It's a situation where he has this twenty over $20 million cap hit. The Eagles can opt into it and keep him. Well, first of all, the problem with that is that's okay. That's already $20 million in cap space, so that's a huge hit, highest on the team. And the other problem is Nick Foles can pay $2 million of that back to become a free agent and go test the market and do whatever he wants at that point. So you would hope the best case scenario for the Eagles, or at least one of them, would be, you know, maybe he plays well and you can try to trade him. That'd be a little bit tricky because, you know, the new team then has to give him a new contract because they're probably not just trading for him for a one-year deal. But we don't even know if Nick Foles wants to play at all. I think that's another, like, who's to say he won't retire after this season? He's 30 years old. Possibility, yeah. He's been to the pinnacle. He thought about retiring before. So that's another thing that I, I wonder about. Or... He could play terrible, and all of a sudden, you know, you were kind of hoping on getting a good compensatory draft pick, and if he just sucks, I mean, like, who's going to sign him to any money? I mean, someone might sign him, but, like, I mean, maybe you can sign him back then, but I don't know. I don't don't know if, you know, that's the most realistic thing either. Um, So, 
it's tough. It's uh, there's a lot of like again, a lot of different things to unpack, a lot of different angles to this one. So you hope when he's in there that he's playing pretty well. Um, and this is the same time last year when Nick Foles took control of the regular season. He had he had three games at the end of the regular season to to finish things up and get the Eagles at number one seed. Now he's going to try and get the Eagles at number six seed. Um, but uh, again, the the odds much more stacked against this team right now with Nick Foles in there. And I'm with you. I'm I'm ready to see Sudfeld get in there and get some real game action. We saw him in the Dallas game at the end of the year last year, and that wasn't a real game. Yeah. It really was just a, a glorified preseason game. So uh, I would love to see him get in there and play against the Texans. I'm not rooting for an Eagles loss on Sunday, but at the same time, am I not rooting for an Eagles loss? Not I mean, really. You wouldn't, um, be, you, wouldn't be, you wouldn't hate to see it. I mean, right. you know, draft pick gets a little better. Yeah, a little bit better. Exactly right. Exactly right. Um, well, I think that puts a button on, on the Wentz stuff for right now because we just don't know a whole lot more than that, and hopefully we will learn some more things here over the next uh, few days and weeks. And hopefully he, he heals up and he has a, a normal offseason. And like I said, he, he, he's able to prepare properly for 2019. And, you know, this is like a bad game of Madden. You just want to hit the reset button on yep. your machine and, and, and just get ready for 2019 at this point. And I guess when we hit the reset button and and we are in 2019, I think one of the things we should talk about as we, you know, just take a quick glance back at the Dallas game last week was the performance of the offense, especially early, which is uh, something that has occurred over and over and over again this season. And some of the play calling and the unimaginativeness that we saw from the offense. And I saw Michael Kist wrote for BleedingGreenNation.com a very good piece calling for Mike Groh to be let go. We've talked about Mike Groh a lot. It just... It doesn't seem as though in his first year as offensive coordinator that that he's up to this task. What are your thoughts on 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 that piece on Grow? Um, does he does he deserve more time, or have you seen enough? I've seen enough. I go back to when he was hired, and I think I've said this before, but I just I'm, I don't love internal hires because I just feel like it's very uncreative to me. At um, least not automatic internal hires. Yeah, right? and that's what it was. I was looking yeah. back, and by the way, because I've been saying this whole time, like there was no evidence of a search. And I looked back, and I was looking through some things, and I saw Tim McManus had tweeted that explicitly that only Deuce and Mike Grow were being considered for the job. Like no one else was brought in. And that's like, what the hell is that? What are you doing? I, I get you just won the Super Bowl, but like, why wouldn't you at least interview other people? You know, because what, right, if, what right. if it, isn't it at least possible there's a better candidate out there or let's say you don't even hire him. But like, oh, I like what this guy thinks. Maybe we can use some of those ideas. Like we're not going to hire him because he's not ready. But maybe he, he gives us like a good uh, just a different way to look at things. What does interviewing cost? It only costs your time. Unfortunate to me that that was not the case. So I didn't love it from the jump. Um, did I think he was going to be this bad? No. <laughs> How could you? <laughs> yeah, right. But um. Just and then just looking at this track record, like I, I look back at the Rams passing game coordinator thing, and I don't know, you know, it's hard to say how much that kind of guy is involved with the results directly. But I mean, it's not like he, you could point to him being responsible for any success there. They had the thirty first passing offense, in I think terms of yards or, or um, uh, just overall. And then in DVOA, they were 32nd. So, like, they're terrible. They were, and then, obviously, you saw how much better they got when McVay came in. So, Mike Groh was a part of those failures to some extent. And mm -hmm. I think he, he could be a good wide receiver coach. I think he actually probably is. So, if you could demote him, it's not likely. I would be fine to keeping him on that way. I just don't think that's realistic. But, I mean, again, you look at the, the offensive results here. And, by the way, one of the things that frustrates me the most with these it's all Frank Reich takes is that somehow 
that can be true. But then it's also true that it's all Doug's fault this year. Like, right. Right, right, there's right. no consistency <laughs> with that logic. Like, like okay, Reich was all to credit, but now Mike Groh is not to blame at all. Like, I've seen some of that too. It's just like, what is that coming from? And there isn't like this big voice out there or voices like defending Mike Groh. But they're kind of just shifting the blame to Doug. And I'm not – when I criticize Mike Groh, I am in no way trying to take the criticism off of Doug. Doug hired him. Right. Like Doug right. made this decision. Doug calls the plays. Doug right. should Doug get calls the plays. Right. all the blame. But here's the thing. You're not going to fire Doug Peterson. Like that's right. that's why Mike Groh was getting the criticism because you're not going to fire the Super Bowl winning head coach. You're just not going to do that. You don't think they should trade him to the Packers? I they mean if, trade Doug Peterson, if they're giving 50 first-round picks maybe. But um, yeah. No, I know. Geez, it's what ridiculous. A, Right, you you don't start by firing the head coach. You start by firing the coordinator. Maybe try to get some give Doug give Doug another chance to kind of okay, Doug, get a better voice in here. Get someone new. Um, some people have said Deuce. Like, I'm not against Deuce, but like, what does that really solve? Are we really telling ourselves here that like Deuce just magically has all the answers and he's kind of just like holding on to him? And well, frankly, I'm not wild about Deuce's running back rotation. That sometimes, too. Oh, you know? I mean, did you see Wendell Smallwood? The Wendell the Smallwood. <laughs> yeah. What's that all about? Oh yeah. my God. So uh, it's not even like anti-Deuce thing. I just don't think like how does how do you look at that and feel like that's the answer? So anyway, back to grow. Um, the resume just isn't impressive. Also, this is very maybe anecdotal or very subjective, uh, not very data backed here, but I just never got a good vibe from him. I've attended all, all of his press conferences in the off season and I just, I never felt good about when he was talking. And I would say this to Benjamin Solak. So if you don't believe me and you think this is just <laughs> hindsight, you can ask him because he knows. I, I don't know. Maybe there's this. So sometimes I think that could be wrong. I mean, you don't get a good vibe when you talk to Bill Belichick, right? I mean, he's he's the big grump. Yeah, true. But I don't know. I just never got it with this guy. I think you know, it, it's you look at the nepotism thing. I think that's kind of a red flag. There's, I just don't see why. Like, what is the real reason they should hold on to him? Because he contributed to a Super Bowl run last year. I mean, that seems well, like it, that seems like it, the one shining moment, right? I, I think if they if they held on to Mike Grow and kept him in this place, it would be because it would look bad. That they would fire him after just one year and, and appointing him to that to that spot, I think it would more just make the team kind of look bad. Now, for me, I never I never mind when a team fixes a mistake, mm-hmm. even if it means they 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 look a little f- silly for having elevated grow to that position. But I would rather a team recognize a mistake quickly and make a change rather than yeah, be stubborn and, and keep a guy in place and. You know, I, I do think it's interesting that, uh, you know, we haven't talked about it, but John Filippo was fired as the offensive coordinator from the Vikings this week. And obviously, bringing Flip back, there's a lot of people that like the idea of bringing the Eagles' former quarterback coach, the guy who coached Carson Wentz through his best season last year, to bring him back into the fold. I, I mean, it's not going to happen right right now, if at all. But what are your thoughts on, on bringing Flip back? Is that realistic? Yeah, Doug, uh, Doug was asked about this on Wednesday, and he said not at this time. He kind of kept his answer short and sweet. Also said he hadn't talked to Flip at all, which is a little interesting, I thought. Um, not even like, hey, man, sorry you lost your job. Like, he didn't reach out to him at all. Hmm. Um, so I don't know if there's anything to make of that. But He probably doesn't want to throw his guys under the bus that he has well, on the sure, staff now. Well, sure, for yeah. sure. That too. But I don't think Flip wants to come back here. I think that's honestly the bigger issue. I think the Eagles would have him back if they could. But I don't think he wants to be back because this is a guy who I think we, we've seen him get a lot of media hype. That's probably not all just on merit. You know, I'm, I'm sure there's some, you know, working the uh, the game there, if you will. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, and I think that reflects on his big aspirations to be a head coach. And 
I don't know if he's going to get the opportunity now, especially after getting fired. Certainly not the, the easiest sell to your fan base. Hey, Packers fans, we just hired the offensive coordinator that the Vikings fired. Well, that's why you come back to Philadelphia and maybe you take the In offensive theory. coordinator job, which would not be a demotion. It'd be a lateral move and you work well, with Well, it would be a demotion in the before. sense you don't get to call plays. That's the big thing. Yeah, that's true. That's I think true. I think there's a team out there that still might let him call plays. Like there's there's going to be some offensive coordinator jobs out there this offseason. Like the Jets, I think, might be one and they had shown interest in him before and now they might have a new regime, so I don't know. But I think he could still reasonably get an offensive coordinator job calling plays or at least be involved in some capacity. And I think that's what it'll do. If not, and, you know, Mike Grow gets fired, I think it'd be great to have him back. But I also don't think like he's this cure-all fit. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, flip his <laughs> back. Everything is fine. Like, no, I don't, I don't quite think that. But I mean, yeah, if you can get him back, I think it'd be great. I just don't think the interest will be mutual on his end. It doesn't flip a switch, in other words, to, I'm nice. sorry, I'm going to, I'll log off right now. Um, all right, well, let's preview this Rams game just a little bit oh, here, BLG, on Sunday night. We'll just dip our toe in, and then we'll jump right back out of the pool, my friend. Um, so, you know, you got Nick Foles starting a quarterback against a, a Rams defense that has, at times this year, looked pretty porous. Uh, you know that if you get good Nick Foles, you've got a pretty good quarterback back there, but we haven't seen that guy since the Super Bowl last year. Let's just Let's just suspend belief for a moment, and let's just say, just for kicks and giggles that Nick Foles beats the Rams on Sunday night football. <laughs> All right, let's just say that happens. Can we legitimately start thinking about the wild card? I mean, I know none of us really think the Eagles can do anything if they if they get the wild card. They'll be like a dog chasing a fire truck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay, great. You caught the fire truck. Now what do you do with it? But let's just say Foles wins and things kind of shake out in, in a way where the Eagles are, are right in the wild card picture. Is is that something that you think is a can we legitimately start thinking about the wild card? I think the Vikings would also have to lose because at that point, if the Vikings lose and the Eagles win, the Eagles playoff odds are like 50 ish some percent. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're decent at that point. Again, right now they're only around 13. Um, so it's low. Yeah. And it would be so Nick Foles. Like if if he won and, <laughs> and everyone would be like, oh, you know, Nick Foles better than Carson Wentz. And it just it would just that clearly would be not awful. be true. So I, I almost don't want to say that I expect him to play poorly because I, if I say that I know he's going to play well and make me look like an idiot <laughs> as he always does. But the reality is he does play poorly. And again, we saw it earlier this year. He was not good. For some reason, there was some kind of take earlier on in the year, like when we had talked about regretting the Eagles not trading foals that like, well, they would have been 0-2 without him. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, how do you, you look, look at his numbers? One touchdown, one interception, again, the 70 passer rating. You're telling me like Nate Sudfeld definitely couldn't have done that? Like, that's not really a high bar to clear here. So... If he's anything like the player we saw earlier this year, it should not look pretty. And it's going to be tough for Nick here because Isaac Samalo is not practicing this week. And not that he's an all-pro at guard, but I think he's you know settled in. He hasn't been an issue. He's been fine, yeah, as yeah, Solak okay. has said. Uh, but now you're going to have Wiz in there who – and you know, who got benched this year. And he's going to be going up against Aaron Donald, which is a problem. I've heard of him. I he's remember good. the game last year <laughs> where like, oh my God, there was just some plays where – he was murdering. I think Samalo had to come in that game, actually. I think I think Wiz got hurt, uh, or it might have been Warmack. But in any case, I remember just Donald just dominating at times last year. And the Eagles were doing a good job of kind of like running plays away from him. So you kind of didn't fully, you know, see him sacking the quarterback a billion times. But like, oh my gosh, it was a nightmare. And now you add like Sue in there. 
and it just mm. it doesn't it doesn't look you know very pretty to me. To talk about this Rams team real quick, John, they have zero players in their injury report right now. That's insane. It's week fifteen, and they have zero players in there. And and get this, they only have one starter and injured reserve. Now, what the hell is this? Like, <laughs> like you look at the Eagles. Well, that's just some of the luck of the NFL. You know, sometimes the Eagles got in lucky in in some regards. It's two last years year. in a row, though. Yeah, two years in a row. Yeah, the Rams yeah, right. were literally by adjusted games loss the healthiest team in the league last year. Which is why it was a joke to me that, you know, when you look at Doug Peterson versus Sean McVay last year for Coach of the Year, it should have been Doug. He had to deal with way more adversity. Sean McVay had a completely healthy roster. Who was that? And then he has it like two years in a row. Very fortunate by them. And another big reason why I'm looking at this game and I'm like, man, uh, I just, you know, like the Vikings are completely healthy. Or sorry, the Rams are completely healthy. Uh, The Eagles are very much not. So that's another big factor heading into this one. No doubt about it. I mean, I think that's... That's going to be a major issue with with the with this game is you're going to have a, an undermanned Eagles defense uh, again uh, because we're looking at the injury report. Uh, Michael Bennett did not practice on Thursday. Now he didn't practice a lot last week, but yeah, he still played and, and was play. pretty monstrous. So he'll play. Yeah. Uh, Jordan Hicks did not play, did not practice. Uh, he's still got a calf issue. Jernigan mm-hmm. did not practice. Mm-hmm. Sidney Jones did not practice. We're hearing a lot about Sidney Jones this week and and his his injury issues. Uh, Jordan Mailata did not practice. He's got a bad thing. And like you, devastating. I know, right? That is bad, though. <laughs> like, if, if the Eagles get eliminated and, like, you, you could get a chance to get him playing time in, like, week 17 and he can't play because he's hurt, like, that would suck. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it would be nice to see him in there for sure just to kind of get some game reps. And uh, Sam Amalo and, of course, Wentz did not practice. Limited in practice, wide receiver Shelton Gibson. And safety Avante Maddox, who at least is practicing to some degree. Mm-hmm. Um, so it looks like they'll swap out Sidney Jones for Avante Maddox in this game. Still, I mean, they don't have the horses to match up with an offense as high-powered as the Rams. I know they got slowed down in Chicago last uh, last Sunday yeah. night, but, you know, this is still a really good. This is still a really damn good offense. And there's, I just don't see the Eagles being able to put up a whole lot of uh, res- uh, resistance against uh, Jared Goff and his collection of receivers and and Todd Gurley. Yeah, I mean, this Eagles defense is no Bears no. defense. Um, like, think about how bad the Cowboys game was. If or it could have been if they actually had a good quarterback under center. Like. Uh, Dak missed a ton of throws in that game, right? I mean, yeah. guys were wide open. And he was just have, they under, under like deep yeah. down the field. Like Goff doesn't miss those throws. For you know, like, Goff is a very accurate quarterback. He's he's very good at that in that regard. And I also don't think he makes those dumb turnovers. Yeah, like Dak was last week. I mean, Dak. That's just another whole thing I want to go off on. <laughs> but I'm gonna I'm gonna go down there for a little bit. Like after that game, I wrote that Dak still sucks, and people were like, "Oh, he won." Blah blah blah. Are you kidding me? Like Dak was the reason they were in that game. Like the Eagles shouldn't have been in the game. They were in the game because of Dak. And no, oh, he led a game-winning touchdown drive. Okay, like Rizal Douglas could have picked him off if that throw had been a better throw. Mm-hmm. It was a bad throw, and he still broke it up. And by total luck, it bounced back into his hands. So anyway, um, point being here that if the Eagles are going to struggle like they did against Dak, and he struggled against them obviously and missed some plays, I just. Like, how do you see the Eagles going into L.A. here? And and now I want to give the defense some credit. Like, I thought they played pretty well played last hard. week relative to expectation. Yeah. Like, if if you're at where this Eagles defense is at and you're, you're just depleted and you're missing a ton of guys and then you give up, what do they give up, 23 points in regulation? Like, 
that should be good enough yeah. for this team to win. It, it's not for this team because they can't score, but I'm saying it should be good enough. Like, it's like, okay, you, you defense, you forced some turnovers, you held the other team to 23. As an offense, we need to score more than right. 23. Like, that's, that's where it should be. It's, that's where the pressure needs to be at. Um, so I just, I just do not, I can't see the Eagles really scoring enough to, to just to match with this Rams team. They're, they're just, they're really good. I know they, they were struggling against the Bears. It wasn't just the, the Chicago's defense, which by the way is pretty good. It was that Jared Goff does not play well in cold weather yeah. games. You look at his numbers in cold weather games, they're just bad. And that shouldn't surprise anyone. He's from California, right. played college football in California. He has tiny hands. Um, like it's just, it's not going to go well for him. And guess what? It is not going to be nope. cold in Los Angeles this Sunday night. So I'm pretty sure he's going to bounce back. And I'm pretty sure, you know, we've talked all season about how these teams are giving the Eagles their best. That was the whole embrace the target thing. I'm sure the team that lost in a big game last year in their own stadium to the Eagles is licking their chops and especially coming off this loss to Chicago and kind of really needing to potentially win again to yeah. try to get that number one seed because, look, the Rams do not want to have to play in New Orleans again if they can prevent it. And it, their best shot is to keep winning here. So they're really going to want this game. And I just can't see the Eagles matching what the Rams are going to be able to score. Yeah, talent plus incentive plus revenge does not equal a good thing for the Eagles here on on Sunday night. And you know, real quick before we get before we get into our NFL picks, you know, Wentz and Goff taken one two. Goff Goff then Wentz obviously uh, in the draft three years ago, where we're now three years, almost three full years of having watched these two quarterbacks play. I think after year one, Wentz was clearly ahead of Goff, but Sean McVay comes into Los Angeles and. Totally transforms that off, transforms that offense and Goff as well. We see Goff now as a a very good quarterback. You know, whatever you know, really can't go wrong with either guy as, as a franchise quarterback. So it's kind of nice to see that these two guys taken at the top of the draft are both performing like franchise quarterbacks. They look like building blocks for years. But given the fact now you've got these injury issues with Wentz, um, if you had to pick one right now, say you had the number one pick in that draft and you knew then what you know now. Would you take Wentz or Goff? I think Goff is good. Um, I definitely do not think he is bad. I think there are some people who think he's bad. He's not bad. He's good. But to me, I really just wonder, and I've been thinking of this for a while, like how confident am I that Jared Goff is going to be the same kind of player if he's not with Sean McVay? Like, can we definitively say he's going to be like as awesome? I don't know. Yeah. Um, and is that part of the question here? Is that part of the equation here? Like, do am I getting golf with McVeigh or like what's the situation here? I just I, I'm saying no. I'm saying independent of okay. coaching. Okay, so just in a vacuum. So just by themselves. In a vacuum, okay. correct. Um, yeah, I'm gonna go with Carson just because I just feel like he has the athletic profile better. Um, I just I, I've seen Carson at his height, the height of his game, and to me. At him at the very best is better than Jared Goff, and I That's know where I am. Yep, there are concerns with injuries and all that, but I don't care. I'll bet on the upside, and I also like his mental makeup, his toughness. I think Goff might lack that a little bit, just in the you know maybe that's not unfair of me, but I don't know. Something you know, it's just the California thing. Maybe I guess, <laughs> um, and I I just think it's different. I think, uh, and I, I don't think it's dramatically different. Apart, I don't think the gap is huge, as you said. I think they're both very good. Uh, I don't think you could really go wrong. 
Uh, but I will take Carson, and I, I don't want that to be a homer thing, but maybe it is. Uh, I'll take Carson. I don't think that's a homer thing. I would take Carson as well. I'm and, and that's because I'm not as worried about the injury situation. I don't I don't see Wentz as an injury prone quarterback. I see him as a quarterback who, like other quarterbacks in NFL history, have suffered injuries and sometimes some injuries that kind of came one on top of the other. I I, I do I I think we have seen Carson Wentz play as the MVP of the freaking league, which is what he was last year. He was the MVP of the league. Uh, before he got hurt over the course of uh, what was it, eleven? Uh, no, it was uh, see about, about eleven and a half games. Twelve point seven five games. Twelve point seven five games. Okay, and we haven't seen golf play at that level. Golf throws a beautiful ball. He's very. Yeah. He's he really does. It's just a gorgeous he's ball coming out of his hand. Incredibly accurate sometimes. Yes. Like just pinpoint. Like that's something he's definitely better at. Carson. Some like Carson has some accuracy issues, and. Not to say he's always inaccurate, but golf sometimes, man. He just, like, you saw in the Vikings team earlier this year, right? Like, he's oh, just yeah. dropping dimes all over yeah. the field. It's gorgeous. So, I, but I agree. I think, I think Wentz's ceiling, it's not something you imagine. You've seen Wentz's ceiling, and, and I feel like he can attain that again. And I feel like we're seeing Goff's ceiling right now, and I'll take Wentz's ceiling over, over Goff's ceiling um, because I think both guys have pretty low floors, too. I mean, pretty high floors as well. So, um, we'll get to see one of those guys on Sunday night anyway. It's kind of a shame that we're not going to be able to see uh, Goff and Wentz go at it on Sunday night. Uh, but before we give you our picks for the Eagles versus the Rams, uh, let's give you some other quick NFL picks from games going on around the league. Uh, we'll look at a couple of the NFC East games. Uh, first, BLG, let's take a look. The Dallas Cowboys are in Indianapolis to take on the Colts, and Indianapolis is a three-point favorite at home. Um, I'm a little surprised by that line, given how Dallas is playing. I know it's in Indianapolis, but um, what is your take on the Cowboys as a three-point underdog against the Colts? Well, you just have to take the Cowboys. They're just so good. <laughs> They're not going to lose at all. I'm definitely not trying to jinx them, which Never. is what I like to do with the Cowboys. But for real, I mean, that is my pick because I am trying to jinx them. But for my real <laughs> analysis of the pick is that Dallas isn't as good as they're being made out to be. They have a lot of close wins in here, in this stretch here, uh, as we just saw with the Eagles game. And the the win over New Orleans was legit. But I also think, as we've talked about, that was just kind of the, you know, the culmination of a perfect storm against, you know, for the Cowboys against the Saints. Uh, you know, you play that game a hundred more times. I'm pretty sure the Saints are winning a majority of those times. And you look at the advanced analytics on it. I mean, Dallas is only 17th in DVOA still. That's below average. Mm -hmm. I know they have the longest winning streak in the league here, but I don't think they're some stellar team. I still think Dak is limited and not good. Um, So in reality, I think they're due for a loss here because I just don't think they're this juggernaut team. But I'm going to take them to win, and I will happily be wrong if I'm wrong. I'm going to take Indianapolis here um, because I I know – I, you know me, I'm a believer in the letdown game a little bit, and they yeah. are flying so high coming off that Eagles win on Sunday in overtime, going into an AFC opponent's house uh, in a game that uh, wouldn't really matter for tiebreak. I mean, I think they're just riding a crest, and I wonder if they're going to just come out flat in Indianapolis against the Colts, and the Colts have a good quarterback in Andrew Luck. Uh, they, that offense can can perform quite well when it gets rolling, and you know, playing playing in another team's dome stadium uh, can cause problems. I know the Dallas Cowboys play in a dome stadium, but it's a little bit different when you're the home team as opposed to being on the road. So I'll take Indianapolis here in this one with the three points. I I mean with the as favored by as three point favorites. I'll 
Um, I think the Colts uh, win that game, and I think they win it by four, five, six points or so. Um, let's take a look at Washington at Jacksonville. I'm only including Washington because they still have the same record as the Eagles, so technically mm-hmm. they are as alive for the wild card as the Eagles are. Um, but we all know that, that the Redskins are in real, real trouble here, and they are seven-and-a-half-point underdogs oh. in Jacksonville against the Jaguars. BLG, I would laugh at this line. I would laugh at the Jaguars being seven-and-a-half-point favorites over anybody. But Mark Sanchez, you know, I, I just... Is I'm it Sanchez take... or is it going to be Josh Johnson? I don't even know. Yeah, I thought it was going to be Sanchez. but Does it, it matter? It, it almost <laughs> doesn't matter. But, I mean, I, I guess I think Jacksonville, seven and a half is a lot of points, though. Um, I, th- I got to take Jacksonville here. I just think Washington is, I think they're cooked. I think they get blown out again. It doesn't look like Jordan Reed's going to play, I don't think, that last I saw either. So um, they're just, they're losing players like crazy. So I'll, I'll I'll take the Jaguars, who have a good defense anyway, uh, to to shut down the Redskins. If Mark Sanchez were starting, I would take the Jaguars. But I'm going to ride with <laughs> Josh Johnson. Um, looks a little bit better than Sanchez did when he came in the game. Now, given that yeah. it was a blowout against the Giants and they were playing soft at that point. But I don't know. As stupid as this sounds, I've always kind of liked Josh Johnson a little bit. For I don't even know if there's a good reason. I just... I remember when the Eagles played him when he back when he was with the Bucks, I guess late you know two thousands there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I only had a good passing game, but like he was giving them trouble all game as a runner. I don't know. He can run around a little bit. He can do some stuff. You know, the Jaguars are starting Cody Kessler still. Like I don't know. They suck. <laughs> like <laughs> asking them to cover seven and a half points seems like a lot. So uh, do I feel good about it? No. I put Washington 32nd in my power rankings this week because I think they just look like so lifeless and beatable against the yeah. Giants. And I just don't really see that changing. More so if Sanchez was still the quarterback, I just think they'd have no chance. But I don't know. Johnson can at least like run around. Maybe he can make a big play or, or something. I don't know. Don't feel great about it. Definitely would not bet on that game. <laughs> I would oh, stay no. away. Yeah. But since we're, we have to take it here, I'll just I'll take the points and say why not. Yeah, there's nothing to feel good about in that game at all. Uh, New England at Pittsburgh, great matchup here. Mm. The Patriots in Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers, a classic AFC matchup. This could be the AFC championship game once again this year. Uh, New England, two-and-a-half-point favorites in Pittsburgh. I was surprised by that line, BLG. I know that uh, you know New England has be- has won in Pittsburgh before, but... You know, the, pi- the the Pirates, the Steelers play very well. Yeah, I know, right? The Steelers play really well at home. Ben Roethlisberger plays really well at home. And I'm kind of surprised New England is a two-and-a-half-point favorite here. I'm taking the Steelers in this one. How about you? It's tough. The, the, the Patriots just seem to kind of own the Steelers, which I think where that part of where that line comes from there. Uh, also, just Steelers losing to the Raiders somehow last week. Yeah, what's week. that about? And I think they've lost their last three games now. So, man, they've not been looking great. But... I think you hit on it though, with you know the game being in Pittsburgh. Rothless better, Rothless, Rothless better. Rothless Burger <laughs> plays yeah. better at home. Uh, the only thing I guess that kind of makes me hesitant taking the Steelers there is that you know the Patriots are coming off this crushing loss, very disappointing with the the Miami miracle. Oh yeah, that's so right. So it's just like, are they really gonna lose twice in a row? Especially after that, like when they're all going to be pissed and on edge and want to get back at a place where they usually beat the team. So that's a good point. It's like taking the Steelers with the points at home is very tempting. And I don't think it's a bad bet, but I'm just going to lean with the Patriots here because why not? 
And again, I'm going to change. I'm going to change my pick. Wow, I talked you into it. Okay. Yeah, you talked me into it. You talked me. Yeah, right. They're not going to lose two in a row, especially after that Miami miracle. I, I agree. With but you is Pittsburgh going to lose four in a row? So that's the thing. Yeah, I think they could lose four. In a row. <laughs> <laughs> uh, last one we're going to look at, and I didn't put the the Minnesota. Um, the Vikings are playing the Dolphins. Uh, the Dolphins at seven and six. That's a good game too. I didn't get the line for that game, but uh, that's a game obviously for Eagles fans to keep an eye on. Um, one of the other games for Eagles fans to keep an eye on is New Orleans at Carolina. Carolina also at six and seven. Uh, again, if you care about the wild card, um, you want uh, New Orleans to win this game. New Orleans a seven point favorite on the road. BLG in Carolina. Saints got it. Panthers suck. They lost five in a row. Um, They're a fraud team. It'd be it, like if you were a team that somehow got up. I don't know, like seventeen to zero on the Panthers this year and then blew it. I mean, like that would just be terrible. Your season's probably going poorly. I would, I would hate to be that team. Um, so the saints are an easy pick here. And as a bonus pick or just a bonus inclusion, I should say um, the, the dolphins are underdogs by as much as nine points in Ooh. Minnesota. Vikings play better at home. Really? They play better yeah. at home. So I don't know, but uh, in this case, since we're just doing the Saints game, I'm going to take the Saints pretty easily. They struggled early against the Bucks, but I don't care. The Panthers suck. I'm going to ring the bell on you. Wow. I don't think Car- I don't think Carolina wins this game. I think they keep it close. Okay. I think this is a less than a touchdown game. I think it's like a three, four point game. But uh, so I would take Carolina with the points at home. But uh, I do think New Orleans wins that game. Um, all right, BLG Eagles Rams <sighs> Rams favored by 11 points in most places that I looked at here on Thursday. Um, you know, it's uh, we we are in a place right now where the Eagles are eleven point road underdogs. Uh, that's that's the the point we've reached here in this 2018 season. Only only three more games, and yes, the the their playoff lie. They are still alive for the playoffs. Yes, they have they have Nick Foles, and if Nick Foles gets hot, sure they could go on a run. Um, you know, I don't see it. I don't see magic happening twice in two years like that, though. I, I just I and I almost don't want it to because, like you said, I don't I don't want to see the reaction of Nick Foles lighting it up here at the end of the regular season, because I know what I'm going to get. I know I'm going to get Foles over Wentz, trade Wentz, keep Mm. Foles. I I know that's what we're going to get, you know, and I just, I don't want it. I can't have it. I don't want it in my life. I don't need it as a part of my life. So I'm not going to root for the Eagles to lose this game, but I'm sure not, I'm sure not going to pick them here. Even, even getting 11 points, I'm going to take the Rams to win this one very easily. I think the Rams will cover. Yeah. uh, Some places have the Eagles, or the Rams, I should say, favored by as much as 12 and a half points, which is wow. just a lot. A uh, lot. So credit to Ben Livingston with the stat here. Teams favored by more than 10 points are 129, 14, and 1 since 2008. So Really? Wow. Not looking good for the Eagles, historically, no. their chances <laughs> of winning. Uh, as And, of course, the Rams are double-digit favorites here. So I just – I don't think – Hmm. See, I'm tempting fate by saying I want to say this is what I want to say. I want to say that every time there's a game like this, people are always just like, "Oh, the Eagles are somehow going to win this one." Like, like people said that kind of with the Saints game. They're like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah," because it just makes no sense. But no, it's not that. It's not that. It's not going to work out that way. Like, the there's Eagles, no reverse lock here. <laughs> no, like the things those those things rarely happen. I mean, we saw it in 2015. You know, when the Eagles beat the Patriots, it was totally unexpected and random. But so you have those island games, you know, those those freak games that we see. And that's what makes me you know, kick myself for saying this potentially because I just feel like 
you know, like you said, and you said it very well. I don't want to have to do all that stuff because it's garbage. It's nonsense. It's yeah. all stupid. It doesn't matter what Foles does down the stretch here. Carson Wentz is the franchise quarterback. Like anything Foles does down the stretch here doesn't change that. It just doesn't. I mean, I'm, barring him, you know, going on like, you know, like looking like Patrick Mahomes basically and leading them to the Super Bowl, would that maybe only change it at that point? Like it would take that kind of miraculous right. miracle thing, which I just. It's not going to happen. Uh, this is not the same team that it was last year when they went on a run with him. And that's another thing that annoys me about all of that, by the way. You know, we had this debate in a former era of BGN Radio if Carson Wentz is a, mm-hmm. a Super Bowl winning quarterback or not. And I get the semantics part of it that he's literally not because he didn't play in the Super Bowl. But my my frustration in saying that he's not is it's not that simple when you look at how well he set the team up and how well he set up Nick Foles to win a Super Bowl last year. Yeah. Like, oh, what did yeah. Nick Foles really have to do? He had to finish the Rams game, which the Eagles defense really came up with a big stop and made it easy for him. Uh, and then he had to beat crappy Giants team in New York, which, you know, not like the hardest thing to do in the world. They were picking number two overall in the draft, you know, uh, so they were terrible. And then he had to beat a Raiders team, and they barely did it. It took until very late in the game to do it at home on Christmas. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, at that point, you had the one seed. So and then, yeah. then you had to play at home in the playoffs the whole time in two games You already because you had the first round bye. So, like, Carson had a ton of reason to do with that. And I don't know why I feel like I need to do this, but I, I do. I just feel like, for some reason, it's just like Foles only gets credit for the Super Bowl. It's like, it's not, it doesn't work like that. Like, Carson set them up so well. So... I just don't see that team being the same this year. I think, I believe to my core that if the Eagles have to play on the road in the playoffs last year, they don't make it to the Super Bowl. I agree with that I 100%. Because like, that's a big difference. So, yep. And that's the situation they would have to be in if they made it to the playoffs this year. So I, I just don't see the run happening. The team is not the same. They're just not as good overall. Maybe Nick Foles has an amazing game against the Rams, but I just don't see it lasting beyond that, if at all. So... All this is a very long-winded way to say, I think you're right, John. I would take the Rams to cover and to win. I think – I was on a Rams podcast this week, and I can't remember what my score was, but I think it's about like – I think I'll say – what's the over-under here? So the over-under is 52 and a half. So I'll say the Rams win by hmm, 33 to 20. 33 to 20. That sounds about right to me. That's that's kind of where I would have it as well. And I agree with you. I think last year was Carson Wentz was David Wells throwing seven and two-thirds shutout innings, and Nick Foles came in for the save. Nick Foles was Mariano Rivera last year. That's that's what it was. But, I mean, for for me, David, you know, Carson Wentz gets, gets as much credit for that Super Bowl as anybody else. It's what I wrote about after the Rams game when he got hurt and kind of understanding that Carson Wentz had already set the team up to succeed because I agree with you 100%. They probably don't win their first playoff game if they have to if they have to play that game on the road. So um, that's what they're faced with. If the Eagles somehow manage, manage to win these last three games and go on another Super Bowl run, they will have had to win, <laughs> this, is, this is the crazy, five road games in six weeks to get to the Super Bowl. <laughs> Just to get to this. That's the thing. Just, Just to, to get to get the Super there, Bowl. And then you have <laughs> to have beat to the Chiefs and like Patrick Mahomes and Andy yeah. Reid. Good luck. Yeah. So good luck with that, everybody. But uh, Eagles Rams on Sunday night. You might as well keep watching because they are technically still alive. And you get to watch your boy Nick Foles with his swan song here in Philadelphia before he becomes a free agent at the end of the season. Maybe we get a little Nate Studfeld in there as yes. well. 
But folks, that'll do it for episode number 27 of BGN Radio. Just a reminder to make sure to get those ratings and reviews in for Bleeding Green Nation on Apple Podcasts and uh, uh, fill out those ratings. Uh, we're doing pretty well on those. Uh, make sure they keep coming in. Love to hear your feedback, constructive criticism, anything you have to say to us, uh, or just some generic Eagles thoughts. Leave them there as well. Um, and also uh, make sure to uh, get us on Spotify. Uh, we're also on uh, Pandora now, BLG. I don't know if you I didn't even know that. Pan- what's, what's Pandora up with that? How does that work? Podcasts. Oh, uh, they wow. have podcasts now, apparently. So, awesome. uh, if, if we're not, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If we're not there yet, uh, check it out. We'll be there soon. But um, anyway, everybody, enjoy the game on Sunday night as much as you can. And we'll talk to you next time right here on BGN Radio. That doesn't make sense. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.